0: Hi and welcome to Season 2 of Thinking Out Loud. This is the first episode for 2021. Remember to press the subscribe button and in that way you will never miss a new episode when it's uploaded. So I've been thinking about what to discuss in this season. And a thought came to mind that during this pandemic most of us have been neglecting our health overall. So I thought it'd be important for us over the next couple of weeks to discuss topics such as sleep, diet, as well as exercise. And in today's episode, we're going to start off with one of the most important aspects of our health, and that is sleep. I'm extremely honored to feature Dr. David Rosman from the Morningside Sleep Clinic. Of course, uh, Dr. Rosman uh, has an MBChB from the University of Pretoria. He's also the founder of the first private sleep laboratory in South Africa in 1992, and also a board member of the South African Society for Sleep and Health since November 2020. It gives me a great pleasure to welcome Dr. Rosman to Thinking Out Loud. Hi, hi, Riaz. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. Dr. Rosman, why is sleeping important and how does one sleep better during the pandemic?
1: Okay, big question. Actually, the wrong question. The right question is um, not why do we sleep, it's why do we stay awake? Yes. There are only two reasons to stay awake. One is to find a mate and the other is to find food. All the good stuff happens while we sleep. So, Um, hormones are controlled while we sleep, bone growth, memory, mood, uh, immunity, uh, tissue repair, and so on. So if you think about it that way, it actually makes a difference to how you're dealing with it. The fact is that if you keep a dog awake, it'll die quicker than if you don't feed it. Yes. So sleep is absolutely essential to our health. There's some evidence that certain types of sleep problems can even predisposed to dementia to Alzheimer's Um, sleep can affect heart just about every organ in the body so absolutely crucial
0: now one of the major problems that i have usually um, that i've experienced over the last couple of years and you just brought that up just now is that i'm very distracted by my cell phone tv and other gadgets and usually we're in the habit of scrolling through social media and checking out other platforms just before sleeping what, what advice and uh, would you give around that? And what do you think is the solution?
1: Okay, look, you know, in the COVID time, what we're dealing with on top of everything else is anxiety. And... Um, The anxiety then spreads and becomes anxiety about sleep. So the worse we sleep, the more anxious we get, the more anxious we get, the worse we sleep. So there's a vicious cycle running there. As far as the habits and things before we go to sleep, it's important to remember that when we wake in the morning, the brain takes between 30 and 60 minutes to boot itself up. The brain is a very complex electrochemical computer. Now, it takes roughly the same time to boot down at the end of the day, and one has to give it that time. So if you're focusing on all sorts of things that are going to wake you up, like work, um, that is going to prevent your brain winding down. It's going to make it more difficult for you to fall asleep. So very important to give it that time. And that's where your bedtime routine is so important. So that's when you brush your teeth and have your bath and put your clothes out for the next day and so on. That allows the brain then to wind down. Before you even do that, also important, because, again, you don't want something that's going to completely wake you up. So for a couple of hours before you get into bed, probably a good idea to avoid the social media. You know, you're really not gonna miss anything. That'll wait till tomorrow. You can deal with it tomorrow morning. Um, If you're watching movies, make sure they're not gonna wind you up. You don't want something that's got 10 dead bodies in each episode. You want something that's gonna wind you down. So one needs to to wind down towards sleep. Otherwise the brain is running at a hundred miles an hour and that is going to keep us awake. How much
0: sleep does one
1: actually need? Good question. Um, I can give you averages, but you get normal short sleepers and normal long sleepers. And it's also age dependent. So for an infant, you're talking maybe 18 hours a day. A preteen, between eight and a half and nine and a half hours a day. Teenager, the same time, but it tends to get shifted later. So they tend to go to bed late and wake up later. And for an adult, it's in the region of between seven and a half and eight, perhaps even eight and a half hours. But as I say, you do get normal short sleepers and normal long sleepers. So we're told that Margaret Thatcher ran a country on four hours a night. That would be quite unusual, but wow. you do get these outliers. Yeah. Whether that was true or not, I don't know, but you do get outliers.
0: That brings me to the next question which I've been thinking about and I've read a lot about it in terms of sleep cycles. So some people have said that if you have a good sleep cycle you can work on a three or four hours uh, after having a good three or four hours sleep you are just as productive. Is that true? No it's not.
1: Um, We go through sleep cycles that lasts between one and one and a half hours so you start in a lighter sleep and you go deeper 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 and then you go into what's called REM sleep rapid eye movement sleep and then we wake and then you keep doing that through the night now the reason people think they haven't woken is because when we fall asleep we lose memory for the previous two or three minutes so people will tell you they haven't woken Well, they have and that can be proven now one cycle is not going to, or two cycles, is not going to see you through unless you're an exceptional individual. Most people will need round about four cycles. If you have a siesta, that would be a full cycle, that's an hour to hour and a half in the afternoon, which is a naturally sleepy time of day, that can make up for one that you cut down overnight. But if you're in a society that works like that, that's fine, but we don't. So that isn't going to help. Um, A 10-minute power nap in the afternoon may help see you through an hour, but it's not going to give you the full recovery. So you need the full uh, quantity of, of all these sleep cycles All those bits that happen during the cycle are important. Stage two sleep, stage three sleep, that's the non-REM REM sleep. They all have their own functions. And it's important to get all of that and over the night in adequate quantities. So
0: one or two cycles, no, that's not going to do it. Very, very, very interesting. In terms of siesta or naps that you just spoke about, obviously in the business world, it's the buzzword have a power nap during your lunchtime and you're going to then perform very well. Like you said, that can't see you through very long, just at most an or so. That's right. You know, in the business world, you have a different problem. And that is
1: that it's kind of this macho thing that you've got to be able to work 18 hours a day. Well, no, you don't. When we get tired, the brain doesn't switch off in one go. It switches off in segments. And the first bit that switches off when we get tired is the part that has to do with problem-solving. And the second bit is the part that has to do with memory. So if we're doing a 24 hour day, um, we think we might be producing, but in fact, that's when we're going to make a lot of mistakes. You need the adequate sleep to function properly. Sleep does a lot of things. One of the things it does is it uh, consolidates memory. So stuff you've learned and that includes motor memory, like riding a bicycle. But it also allows you to forget. There's a very important forgetting function stuff that you don't need to remember, the telephone number that someone gave you yesterday, you really don't need to remember. You don't need to take up hard drive space. And getting rid of that stuff happens during sleep. So if we don't sleep, one of the things that happens is the brain gets literally bogged down with all this extraneous stuff and we just don't work efficiently. It's far better to get the appropriate sleep, work slightly shorter hours. You'll work more efficiently and you'll be more productive. So the long hour is not at all good if you're really tired during the day yes power nap 10 minutes it'll see you through the next hour but you're still not functioning as well as you would have if you'd had adequate quality sleep
0: in terms of diet and sleep and exercise how does that affect the quality of your sleep okay exercise very important and it doesn't seem to matter, the newest
1: research is that it does, doesn't seem to matter what type of exercise. So you can do resistance training, you can do uh, aerobic, as long as you're doing exercise. You don't want to do it last thing at night because that'll get your adrenaline running, it'll keep you awake. But earlier, it doesn't really matter what you're doing, that's good. Diet is a different matter and there's been a lot of debate over the years about what is good and what isn't good. Well, two things. First of all, you don't want to go to bed with the stomach full so that you get reflux because obviously that's not good and it'll keep you awake. But you also don't want to go to bed hungry. If you go to bed hungry, the hunger drive is going to override the sleep drive and that's going to keep you awake. So it's more important that you don't go to bed hungry than what you're actually eating. If, of course, you're putting on a lot of weight, then that leads to all sorts of other conditions and sleep disorders. But for the average person, this otherwise healthy person, that's pretty much the rule.
0: What would you say are the top three sleep disorders that most people suffer from?
1: Look, last summer, I looked, there were between 60 and 80 different sleep disorders, and they can all overlap. But probably... One of the most common is uh, insomnia, what we would call chronic insomnia with various factors playing a role there. We used to try and distinguish all the factors, but we don't anymore because they all get involved with each other. Mm -hmm. Number two would be a breathing disorder, things like sleep apnea and its variants. There are a number of variants. That's when people stop breathing overnight. They usually tend to be uh, very big snorers rattling the windows, getting the neighbor's dogs barking at them. (laughs) And um, depending on the studies you read, that can be present in between 15% and 40% of the population. Recently in South Africa, they reckoned 20%. Worldwide, it's estimated 1 billion people suffer from that. And then number three would be a movement disorder, something called periodic limb movement disorder, where you get a twitch. It can just be a toe or it can be a bigger movement of the leg, and that twitch causes an arousal. So people will sleep apparently normally. They may not even be disrupting the uh, blankets, but they are very, very tired. And that comes from a chemical problem, iron not getting into the brain in adequate quantities to form other chemicals. And um, so that that can affect that as well. Those are probably the, the three most common that we see.
0: Now that you mentioned that, I, if I think about it, sometimes I can have a good night's sleep and get up in the morning feeling tired. Why is that so?
1: Well, if you're sleeping enough hours, there can be a few reasons. Um, number one is quality of sleep. So if something's been disrupting the quality of your sleep, that's usually the, the main reason for sleepiness. Uh, we distinguish sleepiness from tiredness. Sleepiness is the tendency to fall asleep. Tiredness is what you'll feel if you've had a hard workout or you've uh, done a lot of hard work or something, and they are different. If we're talking sleepiness, then that's usually quality of sleep or length of sleep. But let's suppose you haven't had adequate sleep for the previous two or three nights. You may not, it, it may one night may not be enough for you to catch up, and you may then still wake feeling a bit dopey. Um, but that can also happen with medication. For example, you'll get it after a sleeping pill. You'll often wake up a bit drowsy. Um, alcohol can do that. So there are various things that, that uh, can affect the quality of sleep.
0: Now, in your practice, what are some of the most common things that you've been treating? Obviously, we spoke about insomnia, etc. But if you were to look at it right now in um, in 2021, what are some of the most common um, disorders that you've been treating in the South African Well, those are, those are the three
1: big ones. Okay. Um, there doesn't seem to be a difference between um, our context and other countries, mm-hmm. as far as we can, we can make out, um, more related to things like obesity, because obesity causes sleep apnea and vice versa. Um, so things like that is more related to. But those are the three big ones. I think if you ask anyone in sleep medicine around the world, they'll tell you that those are the most common ones they're seeing. Then you get all the other things, things like sleepwalking and various other conditions that, uh, that come into it. But those three, I think, are the, by far the most common.
0: Would you to us more about the therapies that are available Uh, for these disorders? Obviously, it's going to depend on what disorder you suffer from, but what are some of the general therapies uh, or general things that people can do?
1: Okay, so for insomnia, what we use, number one, around the world, is not medication, but we use a, a, a process called cognitive behavioral therapy for insomnia, where we basically teach the body to sleep again. Because sleep is so deeply ingrained in us, we uh, this will work a few people are going to need medication in the long run that's usually when there's something in the background like depression which can cause a sleep disorder in the short term if you've just had it for a few days maybe a week or so then sleeping pills are fine absolutely no problem The sleep breathing disorders, if they're severe, we will use a thing called a CPAP machine, Continuous Positive Airways Pressure, but that's by no means the only only treatment. What that does is it gives you air under pressure while you're sleeping, and we use the pressurized air to splint the airway open, so we're really splinting it open from the inside and that stops the obstruction, but some people have a minor version, if you like, it's actually a slightly different condition, but you can think of it as a minor version called upper airways resistance syndrome, and for that, all you need to do is get the jaw pulled forward to open up the airways. it becomes a whole lot simpler, and there are various other ways of dealing with that, there are various subtleties. The leg movement problem, as I mentioned, Um, We generally use um, chemicals, we've got to replace the chemical that isn't being produced in the brain, sometimes just increasing iron intake will be enough, but sometimes we've got to use uh, specific chemicals that will replace that, what's missing in the brain, and then that can settle down, and that would be a long-term treatment.
0: I see that in you were one of the first uh, laboratory sleep laboratories uh, that was established here in South Africa in 1992. Tell us a bit more That's about right.
1: that. That's right. Well, at that stage, um, we knew about three different sleep disorders. There was insomnia, and there was sleep apnea, and uh, I suppose walking You could put in. We knew a bit about the the movement disorders. Yeah. And we really didn't know how many people were going to. Uh, we're going to benefit from this and we didn't know if the medical aids were going to pay for for sleep studies but um, Dr. Bentley and I decided to get together and take the plunge so we did this we got the equipment and we started started doing these and of course as we got into this more and more and more we uh, we started seeing more of these things and we started finding the unusual things. And so we ended up getting deeper and deeper into these conditions. Um, but to give you an idea of the, how rapidly the field is, is developing, um, as far as I know, the most recent disorder was only described last, last year or maybe the year before that. So there's rapid development in this whole field. And that makes it very, very exciting because most of these disorders can be treated or at least controlled. Um, usually very effectively, and there are new things happening all the time, and it gives us a lot of insight into the way the brain works, and that is very exciting as well. Now, of course, things have expanded. There are a lot more laboratories running. Unfortunately, not that many more doctors with the background to treat these things. The neurologists tend to do this a lot. Um, your nose, and throat people are involved in certain aspects, the pulmonologists, psychiatrists. It is a multidisciplinary area that overlaps into into various uh, disciplines. But unfortunately, not enough people um, available to cover the population with a broad background. In the public hospitals, you have the problem that they can't do the the overnight sleep tests one of the reasons being that the technologist who has to do the test isn't paid for the after hours work so she's just not going to do that and if you do a daytime test it isn't the same and then if they do need equipment to treat the thing it becomes a problem because these things are reasonably expensive so we have a big problem in the public sector The private sector, it is quite a lot easier, but still not enough coverage um, from the medical side of
0: things. The question that I have, what is the one myth about your industry or profession that you want to debunk?
1: Talking about sleep, Um, the one myth, gosh, well, perhaps that um, we can can learn to do with less sleep. I think that might be the big one. You can't, your body needs a certain amount of sleep, this is physiological, you can't teach your body to have less, Uh, changing your sleep times like shift work causes major problems, Um, people climbing the corporate ladder, no you can't learn to sleep with less, sleep is an absolutely essential to living. And I think um, the idea that you can learn to sleep less that it's not so important, I think, is a major, major myth.
0: Thank you so much for chatting to us, Dr. Rosman. We really appreciate your time that you've given us here uh, on uh, Thinking Out Loud. Lastly, just in terms of how does one improve the quality and quantity of sleep if we were to implement what we spoke about today?
1: Okay, so the important thing is regularity. That's number one. The body runs on 24-hour cycles, and we need to maintain those cycles. You can't go to bed one day, two hours earlier, and one day, two hours later, because you're jet lagging yourself every time, and that's going to mess things up. So, regular bedtime, regular uptime. Light exposure in the morning um, helps control a chemical called melatonin and that controls sleep and with that dimming of the lights in the evening you don't want bright light exposure your sleep environment you want to be appropriate comfortable bed room quiet enough dark enough cool enough it's very hard to sleep in a hot environment secure enough you don't want to be sitting there wondering if someone's going to come through the window at you Those are the basics, then wind down towards sleep as we discussed earlier, those are the basics of sleep hygiene. Be careful of alcohol, alcohol does two things, it may put you to sleep quicker, but it then wakes you up a few hours later. So basically the pretty common sense things, things we would quite naturally do if you stop to think about it for a moment, Um, the problem of course is electric lights, we were doing much better before electric lights. We were going to bed regularly when the sun went, went down. Staying up till one in the morning if you're a natural 11 o'clock sleeper, uh, not a good idea. Where can our
0: listeners find you on Um,
1: If you want to give me a call, then probably the best is during office hours. We'll call the rooms on 11 Or you can Google uh, Morningside Sleep and you'll come up with
0: our website thank you so much dr rosman for your invaluable advice on sleep right here on thinking out loud welcome thank you for inviting me if you've enjoyed this episode please share it with your family and friends remember that over the next few episodes we feature a variety of guests who will inspire you motivate you and inform you and will help you find answers to questions We often think about, but rarely ask, I'm thinking out loud. I'm Ria Safi, saying goodbye and thank you so much for listening. Until we meet again...